Okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another PropTech Ramble. Uh, for those, everyone watching on uh, Unisu, our partner who's broadcasting us, Simpatico and YouTube, uh, a warm welcome. Uh, today's topic is the return to the office. Uh, as the vaccines roll out, uh, people are coming back, restrictions are being lifted, especially here in the UK. Uh, I was just talking to one of our guests beforehand in San Francisco, and the 15th of June is their kind of release date and coming back out. Uh, so people are slowly returning to work uh, in the in the US, the UK. The, the numbers are picking up quite quickly. Uh, so today is is about return to the office, return to work, and workplaces. Uh, and with me, uh, I would like to introduce Caleb Dunn, uh, who's a product manager from Released, and uh, Tracy Weimer, who's a, a VP at Knoll, who uh, they specialize in workplace and consultancy. Uh, gentlemen, uh, both of you, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Pleasure. Uh, Caleb, could you just give us a quick uh, introduction uh, who you are and what you do at Released? Yeah, no worries. So thanks, Michael. I'm from a company named Released. We're a global software company with over a thousand clients across the world. I'm a product manager for a product called Credia, and that's a sort of a business intelligence and market data tool. So Released is the property management system where operational lease management takes place, and Credia is the platform that crunches and analyzes all those tens of thousands of commercial leases and delivers uh, insights on the industry um, and helps form decision-making. Thank you very much. Tracy? Yes, I'm uh, Vice President of Workplace at Knoll. Knoll's a global you know, design-driven uh, furniture manufacturer. We spend a lot of time working one-on-one uh, -on -one with clients to help shape what their strat workplace strategies and then actual implementation would be. You know, working hand-in-hand -hand with the architect, the clients, uh, and really with the, the thinking of the employee at the forefront of uh, how that workplace really performs for them. Cool. Thank you very much, gents. Again, pleasure to have you both on board. Uh, we've had some questions that, that have come in prior, uh, as we normally would. Uh, anyone who's got questions as we go through, please do put them in the chat, as you normally would, and, and we'll get through those as well. Uh, so the, the first question uh, we've had is, uh, the hybrid workplace has been accelerated due to COVID-19. Uh, what are your opinions on uh, increased flexibility of the workspace and what do you think is feasible in the long run, Tracy? Well, Michael, I, I think one of the things that is so empowering right now is uh, two things that are impacting this. Number one, you know, there's an incredible talent shortage at the moment. Um, so I think there's a scramble for talent. So that's putting more pressure on the folks that uh, manage corporate real estate to just really create, I think, the, the key component of this is choice. And, you know, and how do you provide true choice to an employee? Um, you know, I look at it in the context of, you know, where we shift the lens as we look at employees. It's, it's an odd term and sometimes in our industry, we refer to these employees as end users, which have all this like, you know, really not so positive connotations. But if we look at them as consumers and now within the ecosystem of work, consumers have a choice for some home works, for others, co-working spaces work. How are we really positioning corporate real estate as a place of choice from a product standpoint? So I think there's a lot of work to be done. It's always not about heroic efforts. Sometimes it's the micro adjustments. It's like, how do we think about things like intimacy? How do we think about connectivity? How do we think about their ability to make things work once they get there? And how do you position the best product possible um, that that consumer is gonna to choose to, be, to, to show up to? 
Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot from our customers uh, and potential customers we're talking to really wanting to change the workplace, right? Like that, that before, I think the really interesting part for me personally, you know, forget the metric side of things, but for me personally is a lot of people now, because they've been able to work from home or work somewhere else, whether it's their home, their parents' house or, or a, another space, going back to an office that was maybe overcrowded or hadn't been refurbished for a long time, people are all of a sudden like, you know, well, I, don't, I don't want to go back to that place. If, and, and there are a lot of people, like people we're talking to or when you're seeing lots of things in the press about people taking the time to actually look at their space and how it works for the people in their space. So I think I don't think that's ever been done before in my in my working career and, and it's been forced upon businesses. Some have taken it in their stride and some are like, nah, shit, we have to actually do this now. But you know it's it I, 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 think, I think there is this bell I think there is this bell curve, Michael. I think there's this people at the you know one end of it that are really like, man, we're gonna just completely revamp this. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna provide a much different product to the consumer. There's people in the middle that are thinking about it, you know, maybe on, on the fence trying to do it. And there's some folks that are just waiting this out saying, you know what, they'll come back. And I think those people are going to be really shocked when they realize that talent that they then now can attract with that. I mean, look, the office was really an integral part of that recruitment and retention equation. And they're going to realize that, hey, that may not play moving forward. They're, they're, may, they're going to have to kind of move over to the other side of the curve to, to really attract some new talent. Yeah, I think I it's probably, yeah, sorry, I was gonna say, probably particularly true, I suppose, for a stock standard company, for a lack of a better term, I suppose. I think there's always going to be those top level employers and you know, Goldman Sachs is the obvious one to point out where, you know, they've gone out and said, or at least made clear their lack of intent for a hybrid future. Um, but they've got a certain prestige or a salary incentive or whatever you want to class what they have as special. And sort of a stock standard company is definitely going to have to offer that that hybrid and that flexibility for for retention and attraction of talent. You'd think. Yeah, but I mean, something has to change, right? Because if businesses do change, and lots of other people, you know, you've got friends that are like, "Yeah, my company they've they've made the change. They're changing our office. They've got more collaboration spaces. Actually, work is or the office. Sorry, work. Everyone's working, but the office is actually a cool place to go, rather than that." dingy shitty place that it used to be they're actually making some fundamental changes so it's uh yeah i i i think i, I think it's a, i think it's a good thing i think it should have happened a long time ago but, you know you know some people are forced to change i think this has forced people to change well, For Michael, sure. you know, we, uh, oh go ahead Caleb. sorry <laughs> sorry tracy i was just going to say I'm, i suppose on this uh, out of the group of us i'm probably the resident data nerd i would say and uh, so Averson Young put out some really interesting stats from a, an investor or a landlord perspective, which is kind of the space that I play most in. And it's that real flight to quality, which is the, the clearest thing that's made its way in the data. So the quality in the top assets has really been there, or at least it's really uh, gathered momentum throughout the back half of 2020. So uh, there's that lack of appetite for a poor quality space, which you guys are kind of talking about. Um, but in terms of an investment perspective, I think the numbers really actually do back that up for sure. You know, Caleb, that's an interesting point because we've been you know, having conversations about like classifications of buildings. 
you know, and I think, you know, what are we doing to really rethink that what makes that classification? Typically a class A building was really buttoned up, it was really dialed in, but you know, you know, still indoor air quality, about 80% of it was recirculated. There was no operable windows, there was, you know, it's a 60-story building, so there's lifts that are you know, people are queuing up for. Whereas today, people are saying, hey, maybe a six-story building, operable windows, good stairwells. So, I mean, are you seeing any movement on even thinking about buildings from a classification standpoint? I'm not sure about a classification standpoint, but I think in terms of the, the form and nature of those buildings, or at least people, how people interact with a building like that, your example of a 60-story uh, building actually probably strikes quite a bit of fear into people if you kind of think about what it, used to be like queuing at the bottom of that building, getting into a lift with 10 other people. I think we'll be fine. People are going to opt to take the stairs to the 58th floor. Uh, get your cardio going as well, right? You know, double, double hit. Yeah, exactly. So, so potentially, I guess, with that concept in mind, yeah, maybe uh, what we used to classify uh, category A or prime office real estate as may shift and, and may flex depending on, I suppose, what those occupier demands are going to really um, force it to look like. I, I think time will tell, JC, uh, but to your point, that there, there was lots of press in, in, in the US that I was reading and, and a lot of it in the UK as well, not so much from kind of the APAC region or, or Europe. I mean, German, Germany has the, the lower lower level buildings and you know bigger floor plates and, and, and much better areas. That's all for, for tax and building purposes and all that sort of stuff. But lots of people are saying they're going to move out of central town of central cities and go out to towns and put up you know six you know, or move into buildings that are six stories, ten stories, bigger floor plates. So they can make them cooler spaces for people to work. I think, you know, Caleb, you'll see this in your data over the next six to 12 to 18, 24 months, because you can't just jump out of a lease, right? So will that, will that, will we actually see that happen or will it be talked about for a bit and then maybe people refurbish their office and people start to become happier again and people forget about queuing up for lifts in a year or two years and, and you know, go back to normal life? I mean, I, I don't know. The data will be very interesting to see, though, over the next 24 months, I think. Uh, question question number two, and I think Tracy, this is probably another one for you, given given what you do. Do you think workers' priorities have changed? And I think we can kind of mention this a little bit, but but what are your thoughts on that from what you do? Well, you know, I think we've seen a wholesale repositioning of the office. Um, you know, I, I'm not hearing, you know, hey, I want to go into the office and sit in front of a, uh, my laptop and check email for eight hours. You know, it's really about being very purposeful for why you why you come into the office, you know, strategic almost. And, and you know, then that's a, re, you know, once again, as we look at the building, we look at the real estate, how do they reposition that asset so it's an attractive um, resource that really fosters that type of engagement? You know, we've always looked at this as kind of a bit of a social experiment. You know, the, the so social experiment is really about bringing people together, empowering these people and making them you know, capable of flourishing. So if you come in and you, you say, listen, we've got to come in and you know, half the team is probably going to be remote. Is the facility really equipped to uh, handle that type of engagement? Is it a one-touch engagement type of, uh, uh, you know, where I, I don't have to go in and call IT and fumble with, you know, connectivity and that type of thing? Is the audio quality good? Is the, you know, the field of view of the, of, of the room, you know, the camera and the room, is it aligned? Is it the integration between 
camera audio and experience. I think there's a lot of improvements that can be made to, to really meet the needs of people changing their dynamic when they come into the office, because that dynamic is really going to be about more group engagement instead of, um, you know, individual focus work as, as they return. Yeah, it's interesting. We're seeing uh, more partners, new partners come to us that are from the audiovisual slash system integrator space since since lockdown because they've got they've got great customers, but their customers are saying, right, guys, we, we've got these rooms. We now need to take full advantage of them. Uh, we'd like to make them better. What else can we add to these rooms? And and generally, because and I've said this on quite a few of my podcasts is everyone's become an indoor air quality expert because of COVID, right? And people are like, right, I'm not, there's not, there's no way we're getting 10 or 12 of us in that meeting room because the air quality would be horrendous. So it's like, you need to do something about it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it is an interesting one. Um, Caleb, just, you know, just throw in there. Have you, do you, what are you thinking of priorities are changing? Are you seeing anything? Um, so I mean, I guess when we speak from a, a worker's perspective, uh, when you mentioned that just then, I kind of thought of sort of two perspectives, I suppose. One is the business occupier, I suppose, the guy that the individual, the team of individuals that make a decision about a lease, and then you've got the individual employee. I mean, from a stats and a data point of view, we can see that people want to retain the office space that they've got, or at least they're looking for office space. So all the clamor around uh, the death of the office or whatever it was probably nine, 12 months ago yeah. in yeah. the press. We can see that rents are still being paid and actually offers uh, the highest returning cash flow asset class there is here in the UK, at least anyway, even beating out you know, the golden child industrial. So that preference or that demand, demand desire to have an office uh, is still there. Um, but like kind of Tracy mentioned, it's sort of around, you know, what do you do to really retain and um, attract people to come in? Um, I'm not so sure it's it's black and white as to whether you know certain people come in on three days, others will come in in four days, and I think a lot of companies have made a lot of sweeping statements for that. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think yeah. I think there's a there's going to be some like intrinsic pressure on certain individuals or groups of individuals to show face in the office because you know relationships are built on proximity and. Yeah. There are some benefits to showing face a lot and uh, either rightly or wrongly, if you're vying for a promotion against an individual uh, in your company and, and you're the one that's shown face, uh, you know, those kind of decisions are made based on the back of relationships uh, as well. So I think there's going to be some things that we haven't quite yet uncovered and, and it's going to take a little while longer to play out rather than saying people are going to work three days in the office. Yeah, I think... Yeah, that, you I, know, Caleb, I'm oh, sorry. I just pick up on that. No, 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 go you know, it. I think it's it's a hilarious, you know, it's a hilarious discussion that's going on. Say, hey, you know, we're going to give our employees choice, but that choice consists of being in the office three days a week. You know, if I'm a consumer, I'm like, wait, but that's not a choice. That's like, you know, you're forcing me into a, a box here that 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 works for you. And I, I and I think it's also a little bit ironic in the context of you know, the 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 look of managing real estate. You know. It, that corporate real estate is, is historically managed real estate and their utilization rates were like 50%, 47%. If you get to 60%, wow, you're really great. You know, if my kids came home with a 60 on their test, I would say they failed. You know, so I think that whole notion of how they're driving utilization. Now, I'm not saying you have to get to 100%. I know we've done, did some studies in the past 
like for meeting rooms, if your meeting room, you know, utilization is at 72%, your people can't find a place to meet. So it's not about peaking at 100, but how do you incrementally increase utilization through monitoring, through providing the great product, those types of things to drive, you know, kind of a vibrancy in the office that people want to be there. They want to be, they want to participate in it. And I think we just can do a lot better um, than we've done in the past relative to providing a better product for, for the employees. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, Caleb, something that you said is I read not long ago, I can't remember where it was, whether on LinkedIn or, or one of the you know, e-magazines I get from, from various places, but the, the, the people wanting to spend time with team members is, is, is one thing. You know, focus work people would like to be at home where they can concentrate and not not be disturbed. The promotion piece actually was the highest piece. Like people are thinking, I didn't I didn't realize selfishly in my own little world, but a lot of people are like who work for big corporates, not small startups like us, because we know everyone and we talk to everyone every day and we have a team meeting every week and we talk about everything as, as well as some focused stuff. But big corporates that the, the one of the biggest worries for the people in the article I read was about being promoted. Like, my boss can't see me every day, and my boss's boss can't see me every day. It's like, wow, that sucks. You know, that that that, that that's a thought at the forefront of your mind. That's horrible. Like, it's like I'm not going to be promoted because I'm not in the office. You know, schmoozing or having to do whatever I need to do to try and get my next promotion to get a job. I mean, that's it's pretty hardcore. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of the things people are worrying about, and and that kind of needs to change, right? It should always I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Aussie. Uh, I'm far too black and white for my own good. My wife says it should be about input and output, right? From, from what you get as a promotion, not because you're in the office and your boss's boss can see you wearing a nice shirt and tie and whatever else you know you need to do. But it's 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 a worry in people's minds. Uh, so the the next one, uh, Caleb, I'll give this this one's for you. Is do you think employers or landlords' priorities have changed? Maybe more the landlord side, and if so, what are they providing uh, that that can, that consumers want? Um, so in terms of, I guess, a landlord's priority, what we've seen, uh, we interact with landlords every single day, I suppose, is a shift in the way in which they uh, evaluate the, the success or the performance of their buildings or of their assets. I think traditionally it's always been, you know, what is the uh, waste average lease term or average time remaining on my portfolio? Because that's what my lender or my valuer um, determines as the most critical factor for understanding whether I've got a strong portfolio or, or not. But with all this enhanced flexibility and, and this move to uh, flexibility for occupiers, um, you know, we've seen average lease lengths drop dramatically in the last year, From a, once again, from a, a data nerd point of view. Um, so a landlord's priorities in terms of how they understand their own portfolio, and this is, to be honest, probably where someone or a company like Metricus is really stand up for success is measuring that engagement of a property or an asset, measuring the ability yeah. to cater to the tenant's fluctuating demand. So even if you might want to, as an occupier, you know, shift your demand, can that landlord uh, always cater to that? And will it be built on the back of relationships as opposed to just purely, um, I guess, the, the brick and mortar of it? As well, so that's sort of a shift that we've seen in terms of a landlord's priority and the way in which they're evaluating um, their portfolios. Just that shift away from traditional metrics, I suppose. Yeah, and, and I think from from what we've seen and landlords, we have a 
as customers and the ones we're talking to. Sustainability, ESG, and uh, environmental, like you know, sustainability goals, they they've come more to the forefront than ever before. I think as well, you know, with the landlords we're talking to are. Uh, you know, from the aerated side of our business, a lot more people are now talking to us about aerated, but the but wanting to be able to prove that they've got a good building, we've also seen that as well. And you know, I think Tracy, given given what you do, you might you must be seeing some some changes coming as well from a landlord side. Yeah, I, you know, I think the whole you know thinking about how do they bundle a building more to serve multi purposes. Um, you know, one of the biggest you know growing vertical markets for you know for for the world it was life sciences. I mean, we were really depending on life science to save us, um, and they did. I mean, with the you know the, the rapid deployment of the vaccines and, and that type of thing, and you know we've done a lot of vertical. Um, you know, shows like this with with the life science industry and a lot of uh, they're part of roundtables that we've hosted since march of 20, uh, 2020 you know their business never stopped so and you're seeing a lot of like incubator spaces around life science well they can't move into every building and they don't need you know 200,000 square feet they maybe need 40,000 square feet or 50,000 square feet but until they get off the ground so how are they bundling deals within a building to make it a multi-purpose building, I, you know, I think is, is really a, kind of an interesting twist that we're seeing some uh, some uh, landlords and, and building owners kind of think about as they bundle deals to go to reposition a building as a multi-purpose building, multi-tenant building with a wider diversity of, of vertical markets available to it. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think, I, I, like like you, uh, all the sweeping statements about, you know, the, there's one about New York, like New York's dead. No one will come back to New York, you know, bollocks. You know. I'm going there on Wednesday, so, you know, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> no, if, you're, if there's you and one other person, then we know it was true. Uh, but, <laughs> well, I mean, Michael, can I pick up on that for one second? Because, Caleb, Caleb, you actually stimulated my brain. You know, it was like through the, through the, you know, the whole death of the office, the companies that were best positioned to support remote work from now until eternity, were the biggest consumers of real estate. They were the ones gobbling up all the real estate. So wait a minute, okay, if you, if that company, if these companies, and we know the ones, right, that can su support virtual work, all the tech companies, they were out just gobbling up big, big land deals in developing an office. So they're thinking, wait a minute, our, my workers can actually work from home Yet I'm out there consuming real estate. They understand the importance of being, bringing people together. They understand the importance of the community that you have to foster within an office to grow and innovate. And I think that's where companies are really struggling at the moment: the innovation factor. Um, you know, while this is great, these are great forums, and we spend all, you know all day in front of our laptops and, yeah, yeah. and that type of yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like. You know, give me give me a good you know wall of whiteboards so we can really kind of scribe this stuff out and really come up with the next great you know platform for development because the data is going to be at the center of it, Caleb. But it's that narrative that gets generated from that data that I think is going to be so important. Completely agree. And I, I think some of the big big tech boys, you know, they you're, you're right. They have massive offices, but they they were. Well, they still are. They haven't gone anywhere. They're, they're cool places to go, right? When you've got free lunch, free breakfast, childcare, you know, gyms and clubs and everything else, that's that's like 
I'm going to work because I've got everything. I can go and hang out with my friends at lunchtime. I can go to the gym afterwards. If, if you've got a young family, childcare is taken care of. They, they're, they're not silly. They understand that, you know, people being in a space and the more time they spend there, whether they give them X amount, you know, unlimited holidays or not, tell them they can all work from home for the rest of their lives. They know people will be in the office for the right for, you know, for the right reasons and go when they need to. That, that's why they're big real estate, you know, uh, well, they're, they're big, you know, whether they're owner occupier or, or tenants, they have big spaces because they don't have the traditional office and they have quite cool spaces to go into. So there's, there's a lot, I think, that traditional, the traditional old companies could, could probably learn from, from some of the young tech companies. You know, on that point, and I don't know if you're seeing this, Caleb, in, with some of the, the landlords and the building owners, you know, the, the next pivot for so many of those companies is housing. You know, because we you know, we're you know, we're in especially say I'm in San Francisco, you know, London. You know, there's a housing crisis here, um, and you know, you know, if you look at talent, you look at availability, you look at housing. So I'm not sure if you're seeing some of your landlords all of a sudden say, "Hey, I'm in the commercial sector, and that's all I do." Thinking about, can I go to multifamily development? I don't, I don't know if you're seeing any of that because obviously with the companies that are going on, you know, going on around here, they're looking at not only developing office places but mixed use as well as multifamily uh, dwellings as well yeah i mean in, in terms of a data perspective i think uh, we haven't quite seen that um, flesh out but there have definitely some preemptive indicators uh largely driven to be honest by uh, the government to be honest uh, we've got a prime minister in power at the moment that loves to speak i think his catchphrase is build 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 and he's not only just talking about new infrastructure; he's talking about repurposing real estate as well, or or just or just ten downing either. You know, he's rebuild there. work there. Um, not sure we're putting a retail unit on top though. But I think <laughs> he, we've also actually where um where Michael works in in the city. Uh, they've actually for the very first time, or one of the rare circumstances, they're allowing uh, residential purpose buildings in there. It's actually been normally reserved for purely financial or, um, or commercial activity. So we've seen, I guess, from a legislative point of view, those early shifts, and I think maybe on, a, on an individual investor by investor basis, we've seen a bit of dabbling into, uh, we call it build to rent here, but multifamily um, investment as well, but haven't actually seen a, a structural shift in, in data or anything yet come through. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. One of the cities that does that and has been doing that for a long time is, is whatever. It's not this poor moment, but where I've lived a couple of times on and off is Hong Kong. They, they've already got it right. You know, offices next to multi, you know, houses of multiple occupancy. They've, they've got that everywhere in, in, in Hong Kong. London you know, doesn't have it in some areas. But I think reading some of the articles that are out there, you know, I, I think it's John Lewis thinking about turning some of their spaces into co-working spaces you know that's that's a that's a massive change uh, i've heard that some uh, like, like you just said caleb some of the office buildings may be turned into commercial and residential if they can if they can get the the, the rights to do so so there, there is there is some change coming and and the same as california san francisco there is there is a, a housing crisis here, right? And then everything that's going up, just kind of in London, a, a multi-story, you know, either built to rent uh, or houses of multiple occupancy in, in the UK. But I, I, I do think some of it will change in, in the UK. You know, if John Lewis are talking about, and it's a brilliant idea, I think, from John Lewis to say, we're going to put some co-working space in, in a store. 
people can go shopping before or after work during work and their lunch break and they can go grab some food out of you know the waitrose or you know if there's a waitrose in the john lewis but some some, some smart ideas debenhams um, before they unfortunately went into bankruptcy they were talking about doing the same thing they were saying right the way to get out of this is to turn some of our stores into co-working spaces and let people come and work here during the day and and, and try and compete with the likes of, of, of you know we work and, and other co-working spaces so so yeah uh, I, there, there is another question there's i i don't know which one i'll, I'll fire it at both of you. you can choose who kind of answers this one is there, there's no one size fits all uh, you have to do what's right for your colleagues and for your business. Do, do you agree or disagree with this statement? It's a bit of a broad question. I don't know where that one came from, but it's, uh, it's a question that came in. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tee up, Caleb, if you don't mind. You know, I, I, I think this, 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 you know, so many of these declarative statements, are, you know, with this clear vision of what the, the workplace needs to be uh, be like in order to foster some return. Uh, eh. I think they, they're just, you know, you're throwing out a line in the pond and, and hoping somebody nibbles at it. But, you know, I think it's going to be so much of an iterative process. You know, one member of our roundtable, you know, said, you know, in order to really make it work, you're not going to really nail that height adjustable desk, you know, and that's going to make somebody come back to the office. It's really, you know, how do you curate something from a cultural fit that is really relevant with 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 the company that you, you know, you're part of. Um, you know, I don't think you can go in with these declarative statements and say, oh, it should be this, you know, check the boxes and you're, you're going to be fine. Um, it's going to take the hard work, you know, it's going to take the hard work of really understanding the nuances. That's why I said it's not about so much the, you know, heroic gestures. It's those micro adjustments that companies need to make uh, on an ongoing basis to make real estate really nimble and fit the, the dynamics of a workforce moving forward. Yeah, and I think I think given what has gone on historically, I think businesses need to ask more people within their business as, as well. Generally, it was like a closed group or it was, you know, the, the execs and the senior managers historically is what would happen, right? But now it's get your teams out, ask your teams, ask ask people because I, I know it, it was it's a, it's a very broad question. I would love to know where it, where it originally came from, but it's one size doesn't fit all. People are completely different, right? I'm super loud i probably piss everyone off in my office of how loud i am but there are people who are extroverts there are introverts there are people who like you know close spaces i used to work for a company called level three communications uh, and in the uk we were all open office and we built data centers and in the us every single person had their own cubicle like every single like floor to ceiling and you go into like a little room and i'm like sometimes i'm like actually do you know what that be very cool if you need to do a design or from a data center and stuff rather than have michael shouting across the office but i think they need to ask more people and and maybe uh, what you said uh tracy space does need to be more flexible you need a mix of areas in an office i think now and and you do have to ask more people because yeah one one size i don't think definitely doesn't fit all so yeah. caleb your thoughts mate just yeah. in general on that one yeah. I think you guys covered it pretty well. I think um, it's it seems like really simple advice, which is to ask your frontline team, which is uh, you know those are the guys that are coming into the office. Um, yeah, it's like quite a few things. You know, it's not quite um, actually executed, and it, and it is still very top down in that approach. So I think yeah, yeah. those that are going to be successful in, in rolling out those changes are those that can actually take that feedback and, and provide a solution that works for those varied personalities. 
Yeah, we, we work very closely with a, with a company called Baker Stewart. Uh, Colin Stewart, who's the founder and CEO, has been in this industry for many, many years. He's a very, very smart man in this space. He's always said, I've known him for many years, he's always said it, it's about the people, Michael. It's not about the company, it's about the people that are in the space. And now everyone's listening and he's been preaching this for years. Uh, and they do something called People Look, which is giving it to the employees to let them have their say, right? Because, you know, years ago, nobody would really do that. The, the, the progressive companies would, but but some people wouldn't. And I think I think it's fundamental that people people do that now. And And... The results, you know, I was talking to Colin after the podcast I did with him a while ago. The results they're now seeing from the people look surveys that they do and the feedback about back to the office and they're giving back to the people who are commissioning them to do these surveys. They're, people are reading them and they're very surprised what they're seeing. I think people have become a little bit more open about what they will say about their employer and the space that they work in, whereas previously it was just like, I've got to go to the office, that's where I work. Even if it sucks, I've got to go there because that's where my place of work is. Whereas now, everyone's kind of been given this choice by COVID and because of lockdown. Like everyone's becoming indoor air quality expert. I think people, more and more people, have found their voice to say what they're happy with and what they're not happy with. You know, yeah. so yeah, you, you remind me. We were doing some research where we were visiting you know, multiple sites of various employees, various verticals. And we were walking through the space and, you know, the employees knew why we were there. We were just kind of surveying, getting their opinions, that type of thing. But there was a gentleman who was like in the center of a long row, you know, of a bench or height adjustable desk. And he just looked over to us and mouthed, help me. So, you know, I, I, I think the, pen, you know, the, the notion of the open office, the notion of density, all these things have to just be kind of reconsidered in the context of how do we create... I, yeah, I, I spoke earlier, you know, this term that, you know, unfortunately this industry uses for the employees, you know, end users, which I find just horrendous. You know, they're humans. You know, how do we make a more human-centric approach to designing office space that really thinks about the human dynamic as we move forward? Um, and I think we just, we could all benefit from a great deal more humanity infused into the workplace as we move forward. And I think this is the opportunity. We've had this opportunity. It's an unfortunate opportunity. It's, taken, it's, it's, it's cost a lot of human life. But I think those lives should not be wasted and we should not improve the quality of humans as we move forward. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Gentlemen, we've uh, we've gone past time, but uh, that's okay. I generally do this because I could talk the ears off a donkey as well. So it's uh, I, thank you both very much for, for joining me. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you both on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we will catch up soon, I'm sure. Uh, Caleb, thanks for the work we did, we did recently as well. It was great to have your input on it, mate. No worries. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, pleasure. Tracy, good to meet you, mate. Hopefully the weather picks up in uh, in, in uh, San Francisco for you. <laughs> Get some summer's arrived. Breaks in. The sun is out, so yeah, hopefully it goes your way. All right, nice to meet you both. Perfect. Gents, Cheers, take care. Bye-bye.